3: And, of course, happy to be joined by my co host USA cultural. We are recording this episode on Thursday, June 23rd, actually recording during the NBA draft that's going on right now. So some pretty exciting stuff going on there. Hopefully we'll get to see uh, what the Bulls end up doing tonight uh, with everything that's going to be going on, whether they trade uh, their pick, whether they select somebody in the draft. Uh, always fun to talk about some NBA, even when this is, of course, an NFL-related podcast. But uh, you said before we get into anything today, man, First of all, how are you doing today, man?
2: Yeah, I'm doing well. Obviously, you're right. NBA draft's exciting. But I also think that, you know, there were a couple things that went down with the Bears this week. I believe it was Tuesday morning. So about a little over 48 hours after we're recording this, the Bears announced kind of what the procedure and formats were going to be for training camp. So that's exciting. I think the report date's July 26th. So about 33 days away here. Then first practice is going to be on July 28th, that's going to be an exciting time. So the season's definitely coming up really quickly here. And, you know, training camp's always, I think, the best part of just the offseason in general because you're kind of seeing things at full speed in the context of the offseason. But then also I think just, you know, last year there were a lot of issues. Like you and I were at Halos Hall for one or two days, and we really weren't able to get tickets. This year, though, you know, for those that didn't see the – um kind of news it's going to be 11 open practices and also there's not going to be a lottery this year so it's a free-for-all you can get up to four tickets a day and then there's parking arrangements and shuttle arrangements at Hawthorne Ball, which is not too far from Hallis Hall it's about like a five to ten minute drive so it's going to be exciting and hope to see a lot of you guys there yeah I cannot wait for
3: training camp um you know I thought it was a lot of fun to go to those training camp practices last year I'm excited to hopefully go to a couple uh this year if My time and schedule allows it, but uh, like you said, you know, football season cannot come soon enough. You know, we're starting to get to that really slow point in the off season where uh, we have we have now a month until the start of training camp now for most NFL teams, and until then, it's just any news in the NFL is usually bad news. You don't want anything to really come out during this next month or so. You know, players are out uh, officially in their off season now on vacations, enjoying things until. you know, they get back at it for training camp when that comes in late July and early August. So hopefully we get nothing groundbreaking there in terms of negative news, but, you know, mini camp, and one thing, one reason why I'm excited for training camp is because, you know, with the way mini camp was covered, you know, the media only had access to really three practices for mini camp. So there wasn't a ton of information we got from these mini camp practices. Um, you know, it is what it is there. I don't think there's a ton you should be trying to take away anyway from these main camp. Again, uh, teams are just trying to, especially the Bears as a rebuilding team, are just trying to try things out and, um, you know, experiment a little bit. But, you know, hopefully we get the training camp. We can find out a little bit more information of where this Bears team is at going forward into the 2022 season. But, you know, with that said, with that time off now that we have about a month until that, Uh, I think this, you know, for these next couple of episodes, you say is a good time to take a step back a little bit, rewind the clock and take a look back at this offseason as a whole and look at how the Bears did and how we think they did in terms of uh, getting this roster together for this 2022 season. Because I know it's been a conversation for a lot of Bears fans. You know, Ryan Poles, his first offseason, you know, did he do a good enough job in his first offseason building this roster, even though we all recognize this is a long-term rebuild here? Um, So what we're going to be doing for these next two episodes is today we're going to be looking at the offense, going over some of the key losses for the Bears, uh, some of the key additions that the Bears made, and then going over the depth chart where we think some roster battles will be at, position battles, whatever you want to call them, uh, and then how do we think the Bears roster stacks up? as we go into the season. And then for next week, we're gonna be doing the same thing for the defense. So you said, I mean, let's just get into, started with it right here, going over the losses for the bears uh, this offseason on the opposite side of the ball. Uh, you had to talk about the main ones here. The big ones are obviously gonna be wide receiver, Allen Robinson leaving in free agency to the Los Angeles Rams. That was the, we kind of, you know, thought that was gonna be the case anyway, considering how things kind of left off between both sides uh, near the end of last year. Um, you know, James Daniels leaving in free agency, the top Bears offensive lineman for them. Arguably, I would say last year um, he leaves for a three-year deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers in free agency. Jason Peters, you know, he hasn't officially retired, but you assume him at four years old uh, is probably going to retire. If he wasn't the best offensive lineman for the Bears last year, he was certainly close. Um, you know, he looked like the Jason Peters of old for some stretches there in the middle of the season. So uh, losing him at left tackle is a pretty big loss for this offense. And then you look at this thing here. I mean, they're They're going to be, you know, redoing this entire receiving core, basically. They're they're losing Jimmy Graham, who hasn't signed with the team yet in free agency. I don't even know if he's retired yet or what his situation is, but, you know, losing guys like Marquise Goodwin, he's no longer on the team. Demir Burr, no longer on the team. Um, Definitely some change here on the offensive side of the ball. In terms of some of the losses here, you said, you know, what stands out to you there? And what do you think are going to be the biggest losses for this Bears offense as we go into next season?
2: I mean, you're talking about, I think, the two biggest losses are James Daniels and Allen Robinson. Look, both of those players are brought in the same offseason. If we're going to be honest with ourselves, the Bears kind of relied on both players to help develop Mitch Trubisky as well as just aid in the development of Justin Fields, the sole year that both players got with Justin Fields. But you know, beyond that, you look at the Bears' offense, I think just from last season to this offseason, the reality is that things – Have changed in the context of names, faces, names, and faces have changed, right? There really isn't a significant blue chip addition to this offense that kind of makes you go, Wow, you know, there's a reason to be excited. I mean, I firmly believe that, and I've said this for basically the third or fourth year running now, dating back to 2019, that the running game is once against the strength of this offense, David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. But ultimately, I think you just look at the offense in general, and you know, there are some low-risk, high-reward type options such as an Equinemius St. Brown or a um, Byron Pringle. But ultimately, I think you just look at the offense in general and, you know, you realize that there really isn't a lot to be excited about on paper. Now, in terms of on the field, I think that obviously, you know, everyone loves to talk about Justin Fields. And everyone's excited to see what Justin Fields can do. I know Darnell Mooney, I saw somewhere on social media where he said that Fields was going to have a big year too. Mooney's exciting as well. But then also you look at that and you say, OK, well, what about the offensive tackle situation? You know, we saw minicamp where Tevin Jenkins was running with the second team the entire time. Then he was on Oil and Cruz's podcast talking about how, well, it's been roughly 10 months since my surgery, but I really can't even go ahead and do a full back squat. Now, that's just incredibly concerning because remember, Tevin Jenkins was a player. In the 2021 NFL draft, a lot of people had top 20 grades on. He was arguably the second best offensive tackle in this class. And now all of a sudden, he hasn't really played legitimate football at full speed basically in a year and a half at this point. And again, the back issue and running with the second team. Guess what? Running with the second team could be a result of the back issue. But then also, I think the other thing to understand is that the Bears offensive line combinations are completely fluid. And what happens in May and June doesn't necessarily what ha- determine kind of what happens in October, November and December. Right. So I think just overall, when we talk about the Bears offense this year, you're looking at a skill position group that, again, got better in certain places like wide receiver depth because I firmly believe that a guy like a Byron Pringle or a player like a Daz Newsome could emerge this year compared to a guy like Marquise Goodwin or Demir Bird but then again it's just so hard to kind of justify what this team is going to look like and any legitimate hope that last year is better than or that this year is better than last year simply because you're looking at an offense that's such a major work in progress and You know, this is a bold statement as I wrap up here, but I'm of the opinion that if the Bears did not have a young quarterback like Justin Fields on the roster, you could make a case that this is once again under Luke Getze and Matt Eberflus going to be another bottom three offense. And that's just assuming if the Bears didn't have Justin Fields. Like that's the Justin Fields effect we're talking about here, where there is a glimmer of hope. For this offense, but then again, it all goes back to the QB position in this league, you know we've seen teams build out good offenses well rounded rosters only to see those teams having been held back by the quarterback position the bears need to be the opposite where the QB is the driving force behind a dominant and elite offense.
3: Yeah, I mean, and just to give perspective on where the Bears were at last year and where they need to improve upon, or if they do get worse, where they're getting worse from, um, let's just go over, I mean, some of the rankings of where the Bears were at last year uh, from an offensive standpoint. I mean, they finished 24th in yards again. They were 27th in overall points. You look at their per-drive metrics, they were 26 in points per drive, 23rd in yards per drive. Uh, they did a good job of not turning the ball over. They did a good job of, you know, stringing plays together and, uh, you know, having drives that took up a lot of time. They were 10th in time of possession, but not a lot of efficiency in terms of yards per play. They were averaging 4.9 yards per play, and that's because, you know, they were the 30th ranked team in passing efficiency. Um, they averaged 5.3 net yards per attempt. They had more interceptions and touchdowns on the year, so just not a lot of production in the passing game, and some of that goes to the coaching of Matt Nagy put not putting his players in the right positions but a lot of that goes back to the talent of last year's offense not being very good a lot of that goes to you know the struggles of Andy Dolan at his late stage in his career in the times that he was out there Justin Fields um, you know not being quite uh, ready to go as a rookie I wouldn't say not ready to go as a rookie but you know just going through those through those rookie struggles as a whole so I mean there is there are a lot of there's a lot of room for improvement here for this Bears offense and you know while coaching could be the difference maker in terms of this group being better you know they, they did lose a lot of talent here and as we'll get and I was, as I'll get to in a little bit here it's not like they added a ton on paper this offseason um in general for me.
2: Yeah. And again, you know, you brought up some of the numbers, just where the Bears were ranked. I think that you have to, when you go back, and you know, look with the Bears offensive metrics and the statistics and numbers in every single category from 2018 till 2021, that four year period where Matt Nagy was the head coach, you have to recognize and acknowledge that you can't take any of those numbers at face value. And And the reason I say that is because when we look at the numbers against the really good teams, for example, Some of those numbers were distorted because the Bears found a way to kind of pull a win out, a win or two here or there against a really good team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2020 on Thursday Night Football in week five. And then some of those numbers were incredibly bad against really good teams. But then ultimately, the numbers are so heavily distorted because there were times where the Bears would score. 40 points with ease on a bad team like the Jackson Jaguars or lower team like the New York giants out 35 to six, for example. And all of a sudden you would see, you know, what we would consider here in Chicago to be this offensive powerhouse and this incredibly explosive offense that was only explosive against a really bad team. So I think when we look at the numbers over the last four years, and then specifically the context of 2018, you know, those 2018 numbers on offense were so distorted Because that was a mediocre offense at best. And it was really the defense giving the offense short fields to work with. So ultimately, when we look at the offense, you know, it's a unit that's just been one of the worst in the NFL, no matter who the coaching staff is. But just as a franchise, bottom, one of the bottom half of the league over the last basically 10 to 12 years, and a lot of it, okay, is coaching. But then ultimately, you have to account for factors such as poor QB play, poor continuity, you know, just poor drafting in general that really never aided building the um, offense the right way. And so, you know, the Bears are a team where I think going forward here to get this thing right, there's going to be a lot of factors that have to fall in place. And I think the biggest factor is going to be the development of that talent on offense. And then number two, just continuing to invest in offense via the draft, which we'll discuss here shortly.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply. Need to hire you need indeed.
3: Yeah. (laughs) and Make the point of the bears not having a good offense for a while. You can go all the way back to the eighties for when they had a consistently good offense. Like it's been a consistent struggle for the Bears forever, it seems like that they cannot put together good offenses and they have to be a you know defensive-minded football team that relies on defense to win games. And that's why they haven't, you know, they, that's why they haven't been able to win consistently in the NFL in over 30 years now, is where it's getting to with you know the way things have gone for this franchise. But I mean you're right. I think you know the big trolls of this offense over the last few years under Nagyu was the fact that they would have a lot of good games against bad defense. I think. You know, one of the things that we saw that you know this team is not an overly talented uh, unit overall on that side of the ball, um, and you know they were not necessarily the best prepared offense uh, with this coaching staff for you know whatever reason they just they just not it just seemed like they did not come to games uh, overly prepared for the most part. But against specific matchups, they did have the ability to go off and have big games and. Um, you know, we saw that near the end of the 2020 season where they rattled off like what, like four straight games where they scored 30 points. And that was all against uh mediocre to pretty bad defenses, to put it kindly. Um, you know, that 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 stuff has been common, but against the good teams and against the good defenses, they just failed to show up way too often. And again, I I I go to talent losing and some of that, but <clears throat> You hope that with Luke Getzi coming in here that the preparation will be a little, a little bit better for this offense Set they'll have a little bit more consistency. Whether that consistency is a good thing or a bad thing, you know, we'll see what ends up happening here. Um, and Um, Before we get into the additions here, I will say that I agree with your uh, statement earlier on uh, when you said that the biggest two losses are going to be Allen Robinson and James Downs. I think Allen Robinson, even though he had a down season last year, only four hundred and ten 10 yards receiving, you know, he was in and out of the lineup with, you know, he dealt with COVID last year. He had a couple of injuries. Um, wasn't the same Alan Robinson that we saw in years past. There was a lot of stuff going on, you know, behind the scenes. You know, from uh, at least from a fan's vantage point, in terms of you know Alan Robinson, clearly it seemed like uh, didn't have his heart in it as much as, as what it seems because of things going off off the field in terms of the contract situation. You know, not getting a long term extension. Um, getting phased out of the offense a little bit, you know, it was it was a bad year in general. I I do think that's still a huge loss for this offense though, because Allen Robinson, I think at his best, is still a number one wide receiver in the NFL. I think he's going to have a very good chance to you know regain um, some respectability here with the Los Angeles Rams now that he's in a good offense for once and he's playing with a good quarterback for the first time in his career. I think last year was just a culmination of everything that could go wrong went wrong for him last year and I think it's going to be a huge loss for this offense overall because they haven't really done a ton to uh, replace him and I think that's a good time to get to the additions for this offense because there were few and far between and we knew this was kind of going to be the case um, in terms of the Bears were going to have to be selective with their targets on offense and, and who they brought in at least in free agency because they did not have the amount of resources that other teams did to make big splashes on that side of the ball. We knew this was going to be a rebuild, like I said before, and that Poles was going to have to be careful with what money he spent um, because the Bears were in a pretty crappy cap situation. They were eating a lot of dead money to move on from guys like Cleo Mack and, you know, some of the older veteran players that were on this roster um, I think the Bears are, you know, operating with I think like 50 million, 52 million in dead cap this year, which is just ridiculously high number. Um, so that's money that's not being spent to improve the talent on the field for them this year. So that's definitely something that goes against them in terms of adding talent to this roster. But you look at who they brought in on offense this off season. You know, on the offensive line, they brought in Lucas Patrick to start at center for them. Um, you know, he was with Luke Getzky, Luke Getzky in Green Bay uh, the last four years as kind of like a utility interior offensive lineman. I he played everywhere for them in the interior. you started at left guard, he started at right guard, he started at center. Um, pretty solid player for them as kind of like that six man off, off the bench, if that makes sense, um, to fill in for injuries. He gets brought in here to, on a two-year deal to be the starting center, kind of help with some continuity going on there. Then they bring in Byron Pringle from the Kansas City Chiefs, like you mentioned before in a one-year deal. Um, this is Ryan Poles, you know, taking a chance on his guy to bring him Kansas uh, from Kansas City over here to Chicago. Brian Pringle, only one year really of production, but he had a solid season last year, and they're kind of bringing him in to be kind of like that big slot wide receiver for this offense, Um, I think, in terms of, you know, he's a bigger guy um, compared to what you think he would be. um, Can block really well in the run game and in the screen game. Has good speed, good ability to get yards after the catch, bring him in on a one-year cheap flyer. um, No problem with that right there. Um, and then you look at after that, there really wasn't a lot else that this Bears team did in terms of, uh, you know, adding guys on offense in free agency. You look at some of the additions at wide receiver. The rest of it was just vet minimum guys like an equiname St. Brown, who was with the Green Bay Packers, Dante Pettis, Tajay Sharp, two guys that have experience in the Shanahan style of offense. Um, David Moore, who was with Green Bay, I believe, last year, I just think he was in Kansas City, a slot wide receiver that they brought in. Um, to kind of compete for a roster spot here so um, getting some competition with some vet minimum guys here and, and seeing if anything can stick um, on the offensive line um, they didn't make a ton of additions they tried to sign ryan bates at right guard um, that didn't work out from the buffalo bills uh, they bring in julian davenport to kind of compete for a swing offensive tackle position spot um, at tight end they added some veteran guys ryan griffin from the new york jets Jamie O'Shaughnessy, who has some familiarity with polls from their days together in Kansas city at running back, bringing in Darrington Evans. And then when we get to the draft, you know, we kind of felt like, you know, the fact that they didn't do a ton on offense during free agency, the bears would be very aggressive at addre- addressing the offense in the draft. That wasn't really the case. And we can go over that, you know, till the cows come home basically um, with, you know, the draft and the bears draft strategy going defense first with their first two picks, but their first offense selection, of the draft came in the third round. Uh, with the selection of wide receiver Felix Jones Jr. out of Tennessee, and then on day three, adding a bunch of offensive linemen. Here we look at Braxton Jones, offensive tackle in the fifth round, Tyree Carter, Doug Kramer, Zachary Thomas, uh, adding some guys on the offensive line to hopefully add some competition there. And that were that was really. The only major offensive line additions they made in this entire offseason, which was quite surprising for me, considering uh, Ryan Poles—he was a former offensive lineman. Uh, Ian Cunningham is the assistant GM; he's a former offensive lineman, so it makes sense that they would make a, they would make a lot of shots, take a lot of shots at offensive line in the draft, but not really aggressive to overhaul this unit as a whole, in my opinion. So, um, out of the guys that we just mentioned here, you said you know, what are some of the names that stick out to you in terms of who do you think can make the biggest impact for this group going into this year on offense?
2: So that's an excellent question. And I'm going to say this because I think Vilas Jones Jr. is going to impress more than most people expect. Now, full disclosure, I'm not as high on the Vilas Jones pick, I never was. If you've been keeping up with our podcast this off season, especially post draft, but I think just the versatility that Vilas Jones Jr. provides, being able to play anywhere on the field, including lining up in the backfield, and then I think that when you look at his ability to basically be a spark plug for the offense, and then on top of that, the big thing. It's just the chemistry that I think he'll develop with Justin Fields this offseason that we're going to see visibly in training camp. I think Phyllis Jones Jr. has a chance to be an impact player. But with that said, I look at some of these offensive additions and Lucas Patrick, I think you're going to notice from day one is the Bears biggest contributor simply because... Having a really good center is an underrated commodity in the NFL. And as I've noted multiple times, this team has been searching for a center since Oil and Crutes was released more than a decade ago. So ultimately, when you look at this team, I think more than anything, you have to realize that Felix Jones Jr. and Lucas Patrick can be two really good additions that are going to make an impact in 2022 that's going to be visible. But then I think a third name to kind of go ahead and add is going to be Byron Pringle. I think when you look at Byron Pringle overall, he obviously had some drama this offseason being arrested. He was asked about it and just bounced around the question, kind of deflected what was going on. But when you look at Pringle overall, I think that there is enough there to where he's coming off a solid season. He's got a small chip on his shoulder, and I think he's ready and motivated to make a legitimate impact.
3: Yeah, I, I know I was low on the pick at the time, but I think Vils Jones has a chance to make a pretty big impact because I look at the state of the playmakers for the Bears offense. Right now, there aren't a ton of guys saying, you have Darnell Mooney going to take up a ton of targets in this offense, I believe. I, I think the Bears, are you know, they've drafted him in the third round for a reason. Um, I, I had him as a day three prospect um, for sure, and they took him in the third round for a reason. I don't, th- I don't think a lot of teams were going to be picking Vils Jones in the third round um, you know, you can say, you know, maybe they just had him higher, but than other teams, but you know, clearly they have a plan for this guy as part of their offense. They wouldn't take him just to be a special teamer, which is what I thought he would be coming into the draft. Um, they are clearly going to work him in an offense. I think he's going to get a ton of targets here as kind of that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say the Debo Samuel role, uh, because no one is quite Debo Samuel in terms of his ability to be that unique player, uh, in regards to, You know, being able to be a running back um, at times, you know, having that special ability in the ball in his hands to make plays happen. I I don't think that's the case um, with Vils Jones here, but you know, he's going to be used in uh, a situation where he's be getting a lot of touches on screens, a lot of short stuff. They're going to scheme him out quite a bit. Uh, they're going to try and get him on jet sweeps, things of that nature. Just use him as, as a weapon, I think, in the passing game. I think he's a good fit with his speed on his crossing routes over the middle of the field. It's uh, where they can get him the ball and the move and just let him try to get yards after the catch in space. I think that's going to be the role that he's going to be put in, and I think it's going to be uh, a, a good addition for them there. I, I agree. Byron Pringle, I'm not sure if he's going to have a huge impact, but you know, can he get 500, 600 yards receiving here? and just be solid for them I, I think he absolutely can um you know those again those are probably the two biggest additions for them this offseason I mean they just did not make a ton of additions here despite what they did lost basically leaving basically losing their three best starters from uh the last couple of years or their two best starters in the last few years and then uh, one of the best stars from last year Jason Peters so um yeah I mean I, definitely on paper the the lack of talent or that the talent level has dropped on this offense as a whole when I look at this thing. But, you know, I, I think some of these guys here will get a chance to step up and we'll, we'll see what ends up happening here. I, I guess one thing to keep in mind, um, when I look at this depth chart here is Braxton Jones uh, getting brought in as a fifth round pick. You know, he was getting reps with the first thing. We talked about, uh, you talked about Tevin Jenkins earlier in the podcast, um, how, He was getting reps with the second team. Larry Bourne was getting reps over him with the first team those last few practices in minicamp. Well, Braxton Jones was the guy getting reps at first team left tackle over these last few practices at minicamp. Maybe a sign that he's impressed the coaches quite a bit. You know, a guy out of Southern Utah that 36-inch arms, very athletic guy, you know, pretty good feet and pass protection, good traits to build off of there. Uh, When you look at his upside, maybe the coaching staff sees something in here and he can kind of step in. And um, I I don't know if he'll be a starter right away. They're they're certainly trying him out as of right now. But, you know, I I think he's worth keeping an eye on here as we get into this, into the, you know, going from mini camp to training camp here in the next month or so.
1: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance.
2: Yeah, I'm excited to see just what Braxton Jones can do. Because on one hand, it would be and I tweeted this as well, right? I said on one hand, it would be phenomenal for Ryan Poles to find the future left tackle for the Bears in the fifth round in his first NFL draft. But then on the other hand, you know, you do look at just the way that the league has trended. And, you know, I think what we're seeing more and more is a couple things, right? Is number one, you're seeing just offensive linemen kind of get drafted higher and higher. And you're seeing some of the best teams in the NFL that have good offensive linemen are being found in the first or the second round. You know, not necessarily in the fifth round. There's always going to be an exception to the rule. Like I think Trent Williams is one of the big exceptions. But ultimately, you know, for the Bears, the big thing to understand here is that they have kind of this window that they're abiding by here. And, you know, window is such a polarizing term when it comes to discussing this Bears team because I'm not going to say that there's a Super Bowl window that's open, but there's certainly a window that this team has in which they're trying to get things right and they're trying to rebuild. And, you know, I personally think that if the Bears can figure out the tackle situation in 2022 with a couple names, right? You're looking at Tevin Jenkins and not even the tackle situation, but I think just think the offensive line situation in general, you're looking at guys like Tevin Jenkins, Larry Moore, Braxton Jones, you know, a couple other day three picks like a Zachary Thomas, for example, or even a Doug Kramer, if the Bears can figure out this offensive line situation, it's going to eliminate the need to have to spend a high pick on an offensive lineman in 2023. I mean, this is a franchise that has not selected a first-round offensive tackle dating back to, I believe, Gabe Kamari in 2011. You know, there's been multiple kind of stabs at it, but nothing really has happened. And so ultimately, when we kind of look at this, you realize that time's not running out for the Bears to figure out offensive tackle, but it is one of those more urgent needs. And then I think a second thing is we kind of talk about, you know, some of the players on this offense. There's, I think, such an interesting trend that is going on in the NFL today, which is that these wide receivers, are being drafted higher and higher. And there's a legitimate argument to be made now that there's four positions. Well, I should really say five positions that teams should look to add in the top 10. And number one's obviously going to be quarterback. That's never going to go anywhere. Number two is going to be cornerback. Well, let's say two to five is basically cornerback, offensive tackle, wide receiver, and edge rusher. But I think wide receiver is becoming so, so valuable because you're seeing these teams... And these players get these massive deals, right? And so all of a sudden what's happening is these teams are realizing that, hey, look, if I can get my hands on a wide receiver that can be a blue chip player and get cheap production out of that player for four four to five years, excuse me, I have a legitimate chance at – we have a legitimate chance at possibly making a Super Bowl run. Like, just look at, for example, right? Take the Cincinnati Bengals, for example. They drafted Joe Burrow in 2020 – Followed that up by drafting Jamar Chase in 2021, and you kind of saw the rewards with them going to the Super Bowl. Now, that's kind of an anomaly there because the reality is that Burrow and Chase were teammates at LSU, and they did win the national championship in 2019. But then ultimately, you also look at it and you realize that the draft capital, especially the high draft capital, is all about continuing to invest in the offense. Look at the Rams. They... Rams pretty much acquired Matt Stafford for two first-round picks, which was kind of the hump that this team needed to get over the bump and then just get to the Super Bowl. Ultimately, when you look at the Bears, right, the most troubling thing about this offense isn't necessarily potential. It's not the pieces that this team has. I think going into 2022, the most troubling thing is that this is a unit that does not have a single top-10 pick on the offensive side of the football. You know, and quite frankly, that's troubling because some of the best players in this league and some of the ones that have quickly emerged within the first year or two as key contributors have been those top 10 picks. You know, Jamar Chase is the most recent example. Benay Sewell, who I thought has been pretty good in Detroit so far, is another example of that. And so for the Bears, right, they have to kind of get into that mold and kind of start adapting to the modern NFL. If this is going to be an offense that's going to have sustainable success and quick side note, there's only one top 10 player on the roster right now. And that's actually Roquan Smith.
3: Well, it it just goes back to the Ryan Pace regime and trading away draft picks every year. Like when you're trading up as much as Ryan Pace, that just, it just leaves you with limited options in terms of who you can bring in the draft on a year to year basis. I am it's starting to kick the bears in the butt right now because they just did not have the picks this year to really overhaul this thing. They had to do a lot of trading down on day three just to add guys uh, in this rookie class here. So it's it's been a problem for years here. You know, if there's one thing I'm, I'm confident with Ryan Poles, they show good process with that in terms of trading down. So I'm hoping that's something that we can see more of moving forward here. So um, as we move on, I, I think this would be a good time to co- kind of position position group by position group here and give our thoughts on where the Bears are at right now. Um, and you talk about wide receiver quite a bit. So I say let's start there because you're right. Wide receiver, it starts to get to the point where, you know, quarterback is obviously the most important position on the offensive side of the ball like by far. Like it's, it's the position in the NFL. If you don't have a quarterback, you know, you don't really have – you're kind, of, you're kind of stuck there in the NFL. You don't really have a path to contending until you have that position figured out. So you need to figure out the quarterback position. We'll get to quarterback at the very end here um, because I think they're, we have to talk about the rest of the surrounding cast uh, before we get to Justin Fields. Um, but let's start at wide receiver because, you know, I, I think you can make an argument that wide receiver is the second most important position on offense right now across the entire NFL. And it was a position where I think a lot of Bears fans were expecting Ryan Poles to – you know, make a couple of splashes here. And really, if they're going to invest anywhere in this offseason, invest here. That didn't really happen. Um, you know, and they've overturned this depth chart quite a bit. But, it, you know, it's, it, on paper, it's got to be one of the least talented units in the NFL. You have Darnell Mooney here who, you know, established himself uh, last year and proved that he could take on uh, number one uh, wide receiver targets and be pretty, you know, productive and efficient doing so. I wouldn't say efficient, but productive, I would say. Um, last year, you know, is he a true number one wide receiver? I think that's what we're going to find out this year is, is Darnell Mooney really that guy that you can build your wide receiver core around to be that number one wide receiver um, that defense have to account for every single game? You know, that's going to be what we find out this year. And then, you know, we talked about Byron Pringle bringing him in, um, you know, on a typical wide receiver court, you know, Byron Pringle will be your number three, number four guy. They're probably going to ask him to be the number two uh, to number three option for this Bears offense this year, which, you know, isn't ideal. He's kind of playing above his role, but can he come in and be here and be productive? You know, I I think that can certainly happen. Fields Jones, I think he's going to, like I said before, going to have a pretty big role in this offense, you know, considering what the Bears invested in him compared to where teams had him originally um in the draft process and you know, he was a pretty big breach by most standards so i think the bears have a plan for gills jones and then after that you know again like i mentioned before it's a lot of guys that the bears don't really have a ton invested in equanimous st brown dante pettis daz Newsom, a six round pick last year david moore tajay sharp so uh when i look at this wide receiver room you it again i think it's one of the least talented units in the nfl i think you can make an argument that it's the least talented unit on paper in the nfl um, in terms of overall talent, like I think the Packers have a pretty bad wide receiver room on paper right now, you know, the Packers probably have better proven depth at this point, but the Bears, I think they have probably the best wide receiver, two wide receiver rooms, when we can get got Darnell Mooney, um, so it, it's kind of a toss-up there, maybe the Baltimore Ravens, because, uh, you know, Rashad Bateman's kind of unproven, even though he's a first-round pick, um, and they've drafted a lot of guys in recent years, so, uh, maybe you can make that argument there, but, um, in terms of my confidence in this unit, I, I believe in Darnell Mooney. I think he's got a lot of talent as, you know, kind of the borderline number two, number one wide receiver at this point. But after that, I just have a ton of question marks about this group. You know, what are your thoughts on this wide receiver room as we go into training camp here?
2: Well, you're right. There are a ton of question marks. And ultimately, I think that this entire wide receiver room, at the end of the day, the issue simply come down to the fact that this room, this goes for the entire offense because it's still building an identity but the wide receiver room is one positional group where there's been some turnover this off season. Yeah. Like we discussed with Alan Robinson, but then there's also the other half of the argument that one of the strongest pieces for this offense is wide receiver, Darnell Money, who's part of that wide receiver. room. So ultimately, you know, this is an entire positional group that I still think we're just figuring out what the bears necessarily have right now, because you mentioned a lot of names like a, Daz Newsome, a Tajay Sharp, a David Moore, you could make two arguments here. You can make arguments that those guys are legitimate pieces to go ahead and evaluate, but you could also make arguments that those guys are nothing more than depth pieces. And if those guys are legitimately nothing more than depth pieces, the reality is that, you know, they really don't, serve much of a purpose unless they end up becoming magical special teams gunners, things of that nature. But ultimately, I think when you look at the Bears, just in the context of where they're at, the wide receiver room still needs a lot of work. And that's why, you know, if I were to rank the needs right now, I would say that wide receiver is going to be pretty high up there going into next offseason and the next NFL draft cycle. But ultimately, I think you look at right now, it's just a unit that, like I've said, a positional group that – needs to figure out just what its true identity is because you can hope that Mooney and Vilas Jones Jr. have big seasons and play big roles, but then the reality is that the way that the league is trending and the Rams are kind of pioneers of this, we're just having two, three, four really good wide receivers. The Bears need to figure out just who that legitimate third guy is going to be.
3: Yeah, they, they still need to add proven talent to this room. You know, I, I feel like if they would have added just one proven guy, whether he's number one or number two type of wide receiver to this offense, um, I, I think I would have been pretty good. I would have felt pretty good about this unit going into this year. The fact that that didn't happen, it just leaves me a little queasy here because it year two is a pretty critical year for Justin Fields and his development. And let's say let, if Darnell Mooney goes down for a significant amount of time next year. You know, who's going to be that guy that steps up for this group? And I'm just, you know, Byron Pringle, you know, he benefited a lot from playing next to Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey last year in terms of those two opened up so many things for him and that offense, you know, if he has to step up be the number one guy, you know, how would he fare um, if that were to happen? Um, you know, Philas Jones Jr. as a rookie, can he step in as a third round pick and be that, you know, I... I, I just don't know. And the rest of these guys haven't proven to be much in the NFL. So you're kind of banking on Darnold Mooney being able to stay healthy and him just feels that connection that those, that those two have uh, can really can, can really materialize this year. and uh, I don't know, I don't know. it's it's not a position group that makes you feel great. And as we move on to tight end here, it, it just makes you feel weirder or just less optimistic about this uh, receiving group as a whole because I look at the tight end position kind of transitioning there. You have Cole Komet back here um, as your number one tight end for, you know, the second year in a row. He really took hold of the starting job last year. He had over 600 yards receiving. Um, Everyone knows my thoughts on tight end uh, Cole Komet. You know, I I think he's worked out exactly as I thought he would. He's been a decent player, but certainly not someone that I thought was worthy of a top 40 pick in the draft when, when, when he was selected in the second round of the 2020, I believe it was, uh, NFL draft. Just, I don't think he has the ability to separate in man coverage. He's not a dominant ball winner at the catch point. Um, he's a fine blocker, but not a necessarily a great blocker. And even then, like you're not taking a great, you know, tight end in the second round to be a great blocker. You're taking him in the second round to be a uh, mismatch weapon or a weapon at the very least in the passing game. And while he put up some nice counting stats last year, I'm not sure if, uh, if Cole Komet is going to be that guy long term, but he's going into a situation here where he's got a lot to prove in year three behind him. You have Ryan Griffin, James O'Shaughnessy, some two veterans that were added to this unit. And, you know, I'll, I'll even bring the running backs into this as well, because, you know, we can kind of talk about running back and tight end together. And I don't think there's much to talk about between these two groups. Because running back and kind of know what we have in terms of they have Montgomery going to the final year of his contract. Um, Khalil Herbert shows some nice things A sixth round pick last year. They bring in Darrington Evans and, um, it's kind of to be that explosive change of pace guy, uh, Trusting Edner, a six-round pick for them at this year's draft. So the main two questions, I think, going into this year for this Bears in terms of the right tight end group is tight end, you know, can Cole Komet take that next step forward? And David Montgomery is going to his contract year. So do we think the Bears um, will end up, you know, looking to David Montgomery as an extension option here? Uh, you say, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, I'm not in favor of extending David Montgomery simply because I think that running backs have a major shelf life that you need to account for and as much wear and tear as Montgomery has kind of taken over the last three seasons i just don't see him being an extension candidate and also i think we have to keep in mind is that montgomery was trapped to fit matt Nagy's offense can he fit into luke getsy's offense 110 percent, because he is kind of a versatile option who can run both inside zone as well as outside zone but then at the end of the day i think that if the bears are given the opportunity not even if but when the bears are given the opportunity because they're gonna have a decision to make on Montgomery's future next offseason I think what you're going to see is that we're going to have trust and Ebner as well as Khalil Herbert kind of anchor the running back position going into 2023 simply because the reality of this situation is that I think Herbert showed a lot last year being an incredibly hard physical instinctive runner but then the other half of it is that when you look at trust and Ebner he was a versatile Swiss army knife that played kind of all over the place, both in high school as well as at Baylor University. I think that the Bears want in this Getsy offense, they're looking for that Swiss army knife who they believe can develop into a mismatch weapon outside of Vilas Jones Jr., obviously. And so I think Ebner has a legitimate chance to be able to provide that for Chicago. I do think that when we talk in terms of carries, I think Montgomery is going to see about 200 touches this year, right around there. I think that the running back room, When you look at it in 2021 at this time going into the season compared to 2022, I would give 2022 a slight nod above simply because you do have some fresh blood at the position. And then you look at the tight end position. I mean, this is a position that's polarizing, right? Because the Bears moved on from Jesper Horstead this offseason. Obviously, Jesse James, who quickly developed a chemistry with Justin Fields, was not brought back. Instead, it's just a couple new names, and then Cole Komet. And so when we look at that, you know, we have to understand that this offense still lacks that dynamic option at the tight end position. You know, Cole Komet is a good player, but if we're going to be honest with ourselves, you know, outside of physicality and height, you know, and, some solid hands, just what exactly does Cole Komet offer, right? His route tree isn't necessarily incredibly expansive. And then he also does not have the breakaway speed needed to be a top-tier elite tight end in the NFL. So when you look at Komet overall, you know, he's got some strengths, but he also has some limitations that are holding him back from truly being one of the best tight ends in the NFL.
0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy.
4: That's what the poster
3: said.
0: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out?
4: Nope. Because
0: I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
4: Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13.
3: Yeah. Ultimately, I look at these running back and tight end groups. You just need somebody here to step up for this offense because. Ultimately, you're not. I'm not sure you're getting much from the wide receiver room in terms of dynamic impact outside of Darnell Mooney. So Cole Komet, he's going to have to step up this year in the receiving game. Um, I, I think the running back rotation will be very interesting to see what Luke Gessie wants to do. Will he want to make this a running back room by committee uh, with Dave Montgomery getting the bulk of the carries, but you know definitely mixing in Herbert and um, you know Evans and Abner getting those guys some touches as well. I, I think that'll be very interesting based off of what he did in Green Bay. I think that's definitely a scenario that could play out. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon certainly saw, you know, a pretty, I wouldn't say even share saw a pretty big bulk of the carries there for Green Bay there as a one seed punch. So I'm kind of excited to see do that. I agree. Like David Montgomery extending him is like not even on the table for me. Like, I I just don't think that's what smart organizations do. You let your running backs walk after the rookie contract and then just draft the next replacement or find an undrafted guy to kind of, give you the same production. Like, I, I just don't think that's good business. Um, I, I'd be pretty disappointed in Ryan Poles if he ended up making that a major move for them next offseason or even during this offseason. Like, I, I just don't think that's where they need to be at as an organization right now. Um, and, you know, as we kind of round out this offense a little bit here, you know, talking about this offensive line and moving on there, um, we've just discussed this offensive line quite a bit in this podcast in terms of the intrigues. Right now, you look at the way this uh, depth chart is playing out, at least on, I'm going off of our lads here, this could completely change, but based off of of where we've been at in the past year, you know, Larry Borm at left tackle, Cody Whitehair at left guard, and Lucas Patrick at center seem to be locks, Um, but the rest of this offensive line is just a complete question mark, right guard, you have Sam Mustafor starting there right now the projected starter dakota dozier who's getting first team reps went down with an acl injury he's gonna be out for the year um so you know i'm not saying that's I, again brutal for dozier to get that injury I, I feel bad for him personally but i'm not sure that's much of a loss to be quite frank with you um because dozier has been pretty brutal for throughout his career um as a guard in the nfl but then a right tackle you would assume tevin jenks would be the starter there, but. As you kind of alluded to before you say, that hasn't really been the case. Over the last couple of practices, the Bears really experimented with their offensive line. They were going with offensive line groupings where Braxton Jones was at left tackle, they were born at right tackle, Samus for a right guard. Um, Again, Cody White here and Lucas Patrick have really been the only two consistents here in terms of the starting lineup during this offseason program. Um, Just a ton of question marks here, and it leaves me thinking you say that you know, did the Bears make a mistake not adding another veteran here, you know, whether it be at right guard, kind of solidify that spot or maybe another tackle so they had some more flexibility there. Like there were some quality free agents this offseason that both tackle and in the interior and they just didn't make a move there. Um, you know, I don't know. What do you what do you think you said? Do you think I'm, I'm crazy for thinking that or um, do you think that they can find a combination that works here as you get to the season? Because on paper, I, I'm not very high in this unit as a whole.
2: I would say yes and no. And and then here's why I, I say no, because it's hard to evaluate these guys when they're out there in Jersey and basketball shorts with only the helmet on. I mean, let's call it how it is. They're pretty much dressed like high school football camp. Okay, like the players would dress at a high school football summer camp or something. Um, not to sound rude or anything, but then Ultimately, there's also the other half of this, right? That I think, yes, the Bears can find a combination, but that would require offensive line coach Chris Morgan really being smart and really being somebody that is going to go ahead and get the best out of this unit. You know, the, the, the problem I think exists where you have, and you could argue that four positions are set, but right guards obviously the big glaring need, but then also we're far from figuring out whether or not this – offensive line starting five is even viable like look we've kind of assumed all offseason lucas patrick's going to be center well what if something emerges in camp or the bears just decide to say hey you know we're going to give a player like a doug kramer a shot at the starting center role and there are obviously going to be growing pains for this team not just rookies throughout 2022 and then what happens is we go ahead and we kick out a guy like a lucas patrick to right guard for example But then that kind of puts into effect. I think it's a domino effect with this entire starting five in general. That puts into effect, right, the question of where exactly do you put guys like Tevin Jenkins, and Larry Borm. It's also quite possible that you get a situation where, you know, you have Borm at right tackle, Jenkins at right guard, because Jenkins did play right guard in college. And then what happens is some of these players, such as a Patrick, a Cody Whitehair, or Braxton Jones, you know what? That's kind of your starting five right there in terms of your left to your right. But, you know, this O-line situation, I think, is incredibly puzzling because outside of basically two names – we don't know what this unit is going to look like. And, you know, in a way, it's it's kind of good that the Bears are still sorting through their options and keeping all options on the table. But then also in a way, it's incredibly troubling because you need to figure out who your starting five is in an effort to give that starting five a chance to develop chemistry amongst each other, but also with Justin
3: Fields. Yeah, I I think... This offensive line is just, it's its rough. And when I look at this thing, you know, uh, again, Cody Whitehair and Lucas Patrick, you feel pretty good about what they offer to the table here. But outside of that, I mean, they're just, you don't know what to expect. I don't know what to expect because I, I think they're going to be playing with a bunch of different combinations and can't try and see what is the best options for them, you know. And, you know, when you have that many question marks on, uh, on your offensive line, which is such an important unit and it's a unit that relies on, Um, consistency and guys getting chemistry with each other and um, getting that continuity, you know, that's just a recipe for disaster for me, especially for a quarterback like Justin Fields who we're going to talk about in a minute here who, you know, we look at his splits when he got good protection uh, compared to when he didn't get good protection last year, like two completely different quarterbacks. And Justin Fields was clean. Like he was efficient. He was effective. uh, He was making a bunch of big time throws you know, doing stuff that you want to see from a first round pick quarterback, you know, the type of prospect that he is when he wasn't protected last year, or, you know, he wasn't in a clean pocket or, you know, you know, the offensive line broke down. It was pretty rough. Like it's like that for most rookie quarterbacks, but for Justin Fields, especially going back to his play style at Ohio state where he likes to hold on to the ball a lot, you know, I, I don't know, man. It just, it leaves me with a bad feeling, you know, Can the coaching staff kind of work around that with the play action game, um, get Justin Fields on the move a little bit to kind of get him out of the pocket? I think that can help. But in those situations where you're on third down, it's third and long, you need your quarterback to kind of go make a play for you. You need the pass protection to hold up for you in those situations when the pass rush is gearing up um, to go after the quarterback there. I'm just not sure they have the talent to hold up in those spots. And I think it could could, get pretty rough for Justin Fields in there when he gets to that spot. Now, speaking of Justin Fields, we'll end this podcast by talking about him because ultimately we can talk about all these additions and changes on the offense, you know, the lack of talent at receiver, you know, the questions at offensive line, everything. At the end of the day, it all comes down to Justin Fields and his development. And we've heard some positive things out of him from out of community camp where, you know, it sounds like he's released a little bit quicker. His decision making has been a little bit quicker during camp so far. Um, you like that? You know, it sounds like he's getting, you know, the offense. He's working hard on the offense and um, starting to grasp the new playbook a little bit here. He's worked a lot with Darnell Mooney, it sounds like. So those two are probably going to have a connection. You know, what should the expectations be for Justin Fields going into year two? Because There are a ton of question marks. He's got a lot to prove. I don't think it's a a sure bet that, you know, he's going to be, you know, after what he did in his rookie year, you know, there are a lot of highs, there are a lot of lows, so it's not a sure bet for him right now. So what does he have to do this year? Do you say to kind of prove that he's on the right trajectory moving forward?
2: Well, I think just the biggest thing he has to do is, you know, we've talked about throughout the off season, just him processing faster, reading defenses, more playing kind of at a more efficient level. And overall, I think just you're asking him to play faster with the amount of talent that he has. I mean, we saw last year, there are a lot of throws he made where he was outside the pocket that very few NFL quarterbacks would make. But I think the biggest thing that no one's necessarily discussing that we have to go about noting is that Justin has to be the guy that is the driving force behind this offense because that's going to allow this entire unit to take another major step forward in 2023 and for Fields to be the reason that the Bears are winning games and not necessarily in spite of the quarterback.
3: Yeah, I think for me, you just want to see incremental improvement off of last year. I think you said kind of the main things, like, is he processing defenses quicker? Is he making decisions quicker? Is he going through multiple reads? Um, So ultimately, at the end of the day, I think what we want to see from Justin Fields is just consistent improvement you know he's not getting put in the in the best situation especially when you compare him to some of these other young quarterbacks especially these second year guys like the Jets went all in on Zach Wilson to get him the support he needs. Uh, Trey Lance is probably in the best situation of all, their, all the first-round quarterbacks. Mac Jones has been put in a pretty good spot in New England with that coaching staff at least last year with a good coaching staff I'm not sure about about this year but you know they have a good operation there in New England he's got some decent our receivers throw the ball to the good offensive line you know the Jaguars are the Jaguars I'm not sure what exactly they're doing um with how they're building on Trevor Lawrence but I would say uh, of the five you know Justin Fields is probably in the toughest spot talent-wise in terms of guys to work with here so you know the odds are kind of stacked against him you hope that he can be the outlier that can overcome the situation that he's in um to be that franchise quarterback i'm not expecting him to go off this year i think it's probably going to be if he's going to be that guy for the bears i would expect year three to be that breakout year where he truly um comes into his own as a quarterback and we see you know his play and, and the numbers really start to come together this year again i just want to see consistent improvement can his you know Processing be faster? Can decision making be faster? Um, can he be better in the quick game? Improve on some of those weaknesses? Can the coaching staff find an offense that puts him in positions to succeed? I think those are the most important factors for him um, this year. You know, if he has a, a situation where statistically it's like, you know, 25 touchdowns, only 10 interceptions, um, you know, he's around 3,800 to 4,000 yards, and he's, he's decently efficient. His big time throw rate's up. You know, he's he's coming down the turnovers. I would consider that a positive year for him as a whole, and I hope that we get to see that growth this year because he showed some definite flashes last year. If the flashes can, can become more consistent and the lows are you know, weeded out of his game a little bit and he, and he starts to build good habits, I think those are the positives you look for. him Because it's essentially going to be, I, I think the way this regime is approaching that is that this is his rookie year. They're going to give him some time to develop here, and we'll just have, to, just have to see how he does when we get to training camp here because I think that's going to be his first test is, putting things together in training camp when the pads come on, things start to get physical and, you know, the stakes start to get raised a little bit for um, the improvement in this offense. So with that said, I think this is a good time to wrap it up here for uh, wrap it up here for us today um, on this podcast. Um, as we went over the offense, next week we'll go over the defense and uh, for the bears as we move on in the off season here. Um, for those who are interested in this podcast, and want to get more from the bear report and blue wire, uh, make sure to, like, and support us on all podcasting platforms. Uh, We really appreciate that there. On social media, make sure to follow us on Twitter, at Pix4Polls, where we're going to be having a bunch of updates throughout the summer. Um, As we go into next college season, we're getting into uh, some 2023 draft uh, talk coming up here. You say it for you, where can our listeners find you on social media and find your work?
2: Yeah, hey guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Kosh. You'll Check out my work on the Bear Report as well. We'll have some off-season stuff coming up for you here with camp a couple of weeks away.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to follow Usaid there. You can follow me on Twitter at Adrian25. You can find my work in the Bear Report. My latest article just went up was a uh, piece on Roquan Smith and what his. Uh, next contract could look like if the Bears decide to make an extension this offseason you know speaking of that time between uh, now and the start of training camp we could see a Ropon Smith extension so if you want to check that out that's on the Bear report right now um, in terms of you know breaking down all the salary cap ramifications of that but until the next time Bears fans um, have a fun and safe weekend everybody and we'll see you guys next week when we get to talk about this defense here for the Bears going into the 2022 season.